Good morning, everybody. Glad you're here today. If you're new with us, my name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here today. And today's going to be kind of a unique day for us in that normally we do messages in a series of messages. So we'll, we'll package a, a message in you know four, maybe five, six weeks of a content. We're going to study together and we connect those messages together. It helps us dig a little deeper in the subject that we're going to look at. But today we're going to do a standalone message of something that God has been dealing with in my life over the past number of years and has brought back up to my life over the past number of months. And I thought it very appropriate for us to deal with this together today. Now, as we begin, let me ask you a really strange question. When was the last time someone stepped on your toes? I mean, when was the last time, like, you know, somebody said something, you got offended, it bothered you, got under your skin a little bit? Now, I know that may have happened on the way to church this morning if you're riding with your spouse. Like, I get that, it may have happened. Um, but when was the last time you went to church and what the pastor had to say bothered you? I mean, like, like maybe offended you a little bit, maybe made you leave, like, like feeling just a little bit upset and irritated. Well, I just want to let you know that that could happen today. Uh, so I, I gave you the warning last week. I said, hey, you know, don't come to church today with open-toed shoes. Um, and the reason was uh, to say, you know what? God just might step on our toes today. And here's what you need to know. This isn't something I have figured out. This is something that God has been working in my life, again, for a number of years. So God has been stepping on my toes for a long time with this subject, and I'm so grateful to have you in that with me and for God to step on all of our toes. So it's going to be exciting. Are you ready? Excited for that? Woo! Yeah. Some of you are pulling your feet back under your seat going, oh man, I, you know, I, wrong, I wore the wrong shoes today. Now, if you're not a Christ follower, um, just know that I'm not talking to you today. This message isn't directed at you. And you may look at Christians and go, you know what? Christians think that they're, they're perfect, and I, I know they're not, but you're going to find out today that we're not perfect, and we got a long way to go. So grateful that you're here if you're just exploring Christianity. But just, again, know that today's message is directed at those of us who claim to be followers of Jesus. So we are going to center our study today on one verse. Uh, Chris uh, referenced that th this morning, um, Galatians 2.20. So this one verse, uh, we're going to read it out of the New King James Version. Uh, usually we use the New Living Translation, but today I want to read it out of, out of the New King James. So here's what I would like for us to do. I would like us to read it out loud together with one strong, epic voice, okay? So I'm going to lead us in that, and then, you know, you just kind of follow along. So we'll, we'll do this together. Everybody got it? Great. Here we go. I'm going to look down here at this screen here. So here we go. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So there we go, Galatians 2.20, written by the Apostle Paul. Now, I would like us to spend the rest of our time considering the implications of that verse for those of us who claim to be Christ followers. That verse captures a theme found in the Bible, and that theme is death. So if you're a Christ follower, we should be constantly going through this process of dying where we're dying to certain things and, and coming to, to new life in other things. So dying to our rights, 
living for the rights of others, dying to our privileges, living for the privileges of others, dying to our wants and our desires and living for the wants and desires of God for us. So we should always be in that process of dying. And as the Apostle Paul wrote that, he, he wrote that first sentence saying, I have been crucified with Christ. Now, obviously, Paul didn't mean that physically. So when, when he wrote that, he was very alive and well, died a number of years later. Um, so I wonder, like, what did he mean when he said that? When he said, I, I've been crucified with Christ. If you know Paul's life, you understand that before he met Jesus, he lived one way. And then he met Jesus, had this life-changing encounter with the creator of the universe, and then his life was totally different, and he lived it radically different after that. Something in Paul had died after he met Jesus, and something in Paul had come to new life after he met Jesus. So this, again, the same thing should happen for us, for those of us who claim to be Christ followers. Something in us should constantly be dying And something in us should constantly be coming to new life. So since I gave you fair warning about your toes being stepped on, if you want to go ahead and pull them up under your seat, you can. Or like try to step on the the toes of the person next to you, you know, just to see if they're ready for this. So here we go. First subject, conflict resolution. If you're a Christ follower, the Bible teaches the more you grow in spiritual maturity, you'll get to the point where you never have conflict with anyone, anywhere, anytime, ever. Thank you for laughing. First service, I was a little bit unsure whether they actually believed me or not. So the Bible actually does not teach that. Just want to see if you're awake. But what the Bible teaches is that conflict is an inevitable part of life. It happens all the time, everywhere. You get people involved in something. Guess what you're going to have? Conflict. You get people involved at work, you're going to have conflict. At home, you're going to have conflict. At school, you're going to have conflict. At church, you're going to have conflict. We're going, we have conflict all the time, everywhere, because we're people, we're imperfect, and, and life is just messy. And so what the Bible teaches is that you're going to have conflict, and so you need to know how to resolve conflict. And God gives us a very clear plan. Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 18, there's a number of other passages where God says, here is how you resolve conflict. So if you're offended by someone, So like right now, if somebody has offended you and you're bothered by it, the Bible says, go talk to them and resolve it. Do all that you can to resolve that. If you know someone is offended by you, you know, like, hey, I know that person. They're irritated at something I did. Their problem. No, it's your problem. Why? Because the Bible says, go and resolve that. So the answer is always go. Whether you feel like you've done it or you feel like you're offended, doesn't matter. The answer is go have a conversation, do all that you can to resolve those issues. Now, here's the thing. As Christ followers, we don't have the freedom to choose whether we resolve conflict or not. We don't have that freedom. Some of us think we do. If you're not a Christ follower, you actually do have that freedom. You can go, you know, and I don't want to resolve that with my boss. I mean, he's a jerk. I don't want to resolve that. I don't want to resolve that with my spouse. Like, I just want to hold on to this. You can. But if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, you don't have the option of the stuff that you're going to resolve. God asks us to resolve as much as we can, do everything we can to live at peace with other people and resolve the conflicts that we're involved in. God actually also asks us to help other people resolve the issues that they're having. And typically our response is, not my problem. Anybody said that? Somebody having an argument at work and what do you do? I'm going to avoid that one. Let them deal with that on their own. But God says, it is your problem. 
And God comes along and says, blessed are the peacemakers. So if you step into an environment and there's conflict and you come to bring peace, God says, you're blessed. And I want you to help people resolve conflict. So conflict resolution is a huge deal to God and it should be a huge deal to us. Sadly, though, in my years of ministry, I've watched way too many people leave church, distance themselves from family and friends simply because they did not want to resolve conflict. We don't have that option. It's not an option for those of us who claim to be followers of Jesus. We have to do anything and everything we can to resolve our conflicts, no matter how silly they may seem. Several months ago, my wife and and kids and I were hanging out with some friends of ours, and we were enjoying the beautiful outdoors. It was a beautiful day. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better day or better environment. It was awesome. The only problem was me. I was the problem that day. You see, I was a jerk. The night before, I'd gotten in an argument with my wife, and I hadn't resolved it. And so being the super spiritual pastor that I am, I thought I would bring it into the next day. You know, fun to do. So the next day, I kind of was irritated and kind of took that out of my wife, took it out of my kids and our friends. You know how sad that is? Like, that's just silly. I I hate even standing up here saying it, but it's the truth. So I got to say the truth. So that night, I resolved the issues with my wife, later resolved the issues with my kids, didn't resolve the issues with our friends. I thought, that's silly, it's nothing, moved on in life, you know, life just kind of rocked on, and, and here we were, and I was glad to have it behind me. Um, and so I kind of forgot about it until God brought it to my mind again. And guess where God brought it to my mind? I'm in Guatemala. So I'm down there leading a team to serve people and show the love of Jesus to, to people around the world, and God smacks me upside the head and says, hey, do you remember that, that issue you didn't resolve with your friends several months ago? I'm like, yeah, I do. I want you to resolve it. Like, I don't want to resolve it. And I heard the whisper of Galatians 2.20. You've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer you who live. You don't have the choice anymore. You can't decide if you're going to resolve that or not. Like, it's silly. Like, I know it's silly, so go resolve it. So guess what I did last Sunday? Last Sunday, I resolved that issue with my friends here at church. I saw my friends, got them together, and said, listen, you two, I, I am so sorry. I was a jerk. Do you remember that day? Like, oh yeah, I remember that day. (laughs) Great. Great. I was hoping you didn't, but they did. And I said, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I was a jerk. What I did was wrong. How I behaved was wrong. They were gracious and they forgave me. And I was so grateful for that. And I'm grateful for the whisper of the Holy Spirit using Galatians 2.20 in my life to say, Trent, you've been crucified with Christ. You, you can't decide anymore. You can't say, well, you know, it's just a little thing. Yeah, I hope nobody knows. I was just, you know, let's just move on from that. No, it's a big thing. And you need to take a step and resolve it. And I, t- I gotta tell you, I felt so... Uh, great after that. You know, not, not about me, anything that I've done, but just felt like, you know what? Y- yes, I-, I messed up, but I took a step to make it right. And I don't think God is all that bothered when we mess things up. Like, I, kn- I know that may sound surprising, but I don't think God is bothered uh, as much because God knows that's what we do. What bothers God is when we don't make things right. When we don't follow it up and say, you know what? Like, I blew it. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I, I was the jerk. I, I, I messed that up. Will you forgive me? I think that's what God wants for all of us. So in your life, um, have you been a jerk lately? Is there anybody you need to talk to? 
Anybody you need to go to and say, my bad. Like, yeah, I did that. And I, I own it. And I'm sorry. And will you forgive me? Is there anybody at work that you need to talk to? Anybody at home? Anybody at school? Anybody at church? Maybe they're sitting next to you. Maybe you can see them across the room. I don't know. But you don't have the option if you're a Christ follower to decide, well, I'm just not going to deal with that. You don't have that option. If Christ is fully alive in you, you need to let him live through you. All right, that leads us to our next subject. If Christ is living in, in us, what should forgiveness look like in our lives? So what should forgiveness look like in that whole process of conflict resolution? Listen to how important forgiveness is to God. In Matthew 6, verse 14, Jesus told his followers, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. That is a powerful statement. And and I think some Christians don't know it's in the Bible or don't care that it's in the Bible. But like, I don't know how we can read something like that and go, oh, I'm just not going to forgive them because it was like what they did was just unforgivable. Like, no way. There's nothing that could ever happen to you that worse hasn't happened to the creator of the universe. There's nothing that could happen to you that we haven't done that's worse to the creator of the universe. So we've got to be willing to forgive people. And you might say, you know, but you don't know my story. You don't know how bad it was. You don't know what they did. You don't know this, the scars and the, the trauma that I've been through. And, and you're right, maybe I don't know all that. And maybe, you know, in my flesh, I would hear that and go, wow, that's really rough. Like, I, you know, forgiveness might be a tough thing to do. But God hasn't called us to bitterness and unforgiveness. If you're a follower of Jesus, what God says is, hey, it's not a huge deal, but what I ask is you do for someone else what I've done for you. The same thing, you know, fair exchange. I forgave you, so I want you to forgive others who've hurt you. So do you need to forgive anybody? Somebody sitting next to you? Somebody across the room? Somebody across the hall at work? Somebody at school? Do you need to forgive someone in your life? Again, we don't have the option as followers of Jesus to say, well, I'm not gonna forgive them, that was too bad. We don't have that option. God says we need to forgive others just the way that he has forgiven us. Now our next subject, how we treat other people. This applies to everything from how we treat our families to our friends, to our enemies, to people of other races, of other uh, backgrounds, of other genders. It applies to every interaction that we have, even things that we don't think are all that significant. If Christ is alive and well in me, then I'll treat other people as if they are more important than I am. I want you to think about your day and, and how prevalent of, a, of a, a thought process that is for you or other people. Where do you see people in your world who, who are living as if you are more important or, or you treating them as if they are more important? That's not very prevalent in our culture. You know, most often we're, we're doing relationship gymnastics to kind of prove to other people, look how important I am. And once you treat me with, with the respect that I deserve because I'm that important. But listen to what the Bible teaches about that. Philippians chapter two talks about Jesus, our great model. 
Philippians chapter two, verse three says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than ourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And here's that attitude. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Why did he do that? Because he thought you were that important. And he thinks, I'm that important. He says, listen, you're so incredibly important. I'll give up my divine privileges so that you can have a relationship with God that will last forever. You are that important. And then listen to what God the Father did for Jesus. Verse nine, therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So when we treat people as if they're better, more important, that doesn't mean we walk around with a poor self-image feeling like you know, we're the world's doormat. That's not how Jesus lived. What Jesus did was he said, listen, you are so incredibly important to, to God the Father. I want to demonstrate that by giving some things up and laying my life down for you. And that's what God asks us to do. The same thing for people at work, people at home, people at school, people in our community. It's, it's not that we have a poor self-image. It's that we walk around saying, you are this valuable, so let me show you how valuable you are to our God. One of the values that we have here at Epic is that people matter. All people matter, not just some people. All people matter. No matter what their background is, their lifestyle, their political opinion, whether you have hair on your head or not. <laughs> people without hair in their head. Do you know what? We matter to God too. We should all know that. All people matter to God and God wants us to show them that by the way that we treat them. Now here's another value that we have here at Epic. Becoming like Jesus matters. So sometimes we get this warped thinking that, you know, God loves me the way that I am and, and, and I can just stay here. Not true. God loves you just the way that you are. And he wants to transform you. His goal for you and I is that we become like Jesus. That's why Jesus died. Listen, if we didn't need to be transformed, why would Jesus die on the cross for us? We need to be transformed. And we all need to enter a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ and be transformed by him and then help other people be transformed as well as they meet Jesus and they watch us living our lives and treating them the way that we should. People won't take a step towards Jesus if we treat them poorly. Just think about that. If you're a jerk at work, there's a good chance the people at work will not take a step towards Christ because of you or because of me. If you don't resolve conflict, if you don't fix what you've damaged, again, that doesn't mean you have to be perfect. It just means if we don't make things right, if we don't fix the stuff that we've damaged, there's a chance someone may go, if that's the God that you serve, I don't know that I want to know him. God doesn't want that. We represent him to the world. And so the way that we live matters. Now, 
You've probably heard uh, that at family gatherings, you're not supposed to talk about religion or politics. So I kind of consider us family. And I thought, since we're talking about religion, we might as well talk about politics. So is that all right? So here we go. Someone said no. We're going there anyway. Remember I said I'm stepping on your toes. So um, it's interesting to me to watch during the political season. So we got the political season coming up, got an election next year. And so um, watch on Facebook, social media, and how Christians behave. And it's just always fascinating to me watch, to watch how, uh, how Christians who claim to love God behave during the political season. It's as if we take our Christianity and kind of put it on you know, a hook or put it on the shelf and say, I'll pick that back up later after the political season. And I'll say what I want to say and, and stand on my soapbox and whatever I want to do, that's how I'll live during this time frame and then I'll pick it back up later. But again, if we've been crucified with Christ, we don't have that option. Now, is there anything wrong with having strong political opinions? No. Nothing wrong with that. I have some very strong political opinions, but my political opinions always have to take a backseat to my faith in Jesus, my love for God, and my desire for other people to come to know God. Here's an example. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we're coming back from Guatemala, and uh, we're traveling through Miami. So we fly to Miami, fly to Orlando. So we're in Miami going through customs. And if you've never had that wonderful experience, I hope that next year you will when you go to Guatemala with us. So we get off the plane, and I think like every plane in Miami landed at the same time, and we've got thousands of people trying to get their, their way through customs. So we're standing in this long line, you know, like cattle, and, and uh, you know, like we're all tired, a little irritated. The guy behind me, makes this very politically charged comment for everyone to hear. So his comment plus my exhaustion led to my response. So I turned, made a comment, and then started thinking about all the wonderful things I would love to tell my new friend behind me and everybody around who heard his comment. And then I heard the whisper of Galatians 2.20. Trent, you've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives within you. So how would Christ handle himself in this situation? And so I started to process, and I had to acknowledge that I think Jesus would handle it differently than the way I wanted to. <laughs> Jesus might say something different than what was about to come out of my mouth. And so in that moment, I practiced the spiritual discipline of silence, and I shut my mouth, and I started praying for my new friend, more importantly, me. I get, God, it's very evident that right now in this moment, I'm not very Christ-like. I mean, I care right now more about my political opinion than this gentleman meeting Jesus. That's wrong. And so I started praying. God, you got to keep working in me because obviously there's still too much of me alive and well that, that hasn't been crucified yet. I still need to go through this, this crucifixion process. And is there anything wrong with having political conversations? No. But how we handle ourselves around politics and faith-based issues is so incredibly important. Remember, as we engage those conversations, people either take a step towards Jesus or a step away from Jesus. And how horrible would it be to stand one day in, in the presence of God and to understand there's a line of people who stepped away from God because of how they watched me live. I don't want that. I want people to take a step towards God. So how we live, how we treat people is so incredibly important. So how are you doing 
at that? How are you doing at treating people around you? People who may be different than you, people who have different political opinions, people who live different lifestyles or, or from different backgrounds. How are you doing at treating people who are different than you? How we treat people matters for all of eternity. Our next subject, how we live in this world. Now, this won't come as a surprise to you, but there's a constant pull in our culture away from the things of God. I'm sure that doesn't surprise you at all. You've been watching, I'm sure, a long time. Uh, It's been going on since the beginning of of time for us as humanity. We've been constantly tempted away from God and his, his plan for our lives. And so every generation of Christians have to decide how I'm gonna live in this world. How will I engage this world? The Bible says we should be in the world, but not of the world. And there's this this tension between that. There's this balance between that where we have to to figure out for ourselves, what does it look like for me to fully be engaged here in the culture, not so separate that people are like, well, that's a weirdo. How how do do people look at me and go, wow, like you're navigating all the complexities of life and you're doing it in such an incredible way. Like, I want to know more of what you have. So how do we do that? It's incredibly important. So as Christ followers, there should be things that we would say, you know what, I'm going to do that or I'm not going to do that because I've been crucified with Christ. You know, we won't rationalize things and say, well, everybody else around me is doing it. We won't do that. We won't determine it's okay as long as we don't get caught. We won't openly embrace things that don't honor God. We will live in this world with that tension of living like Jesus and pointing people towards him. We will constantly battle the tension of that. The Apostle Paul talks about this in um, uh, Romans chapter 12. So Romans chapter 12, verses one and two, he says this, and dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. You want to know how to worship God? Has everything to do with how we live. Has everything to do with what we do with our bodies and how we handle them and how we live our lives. And so in verse two, he says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So after begging us to live our lives as a holy sacrifice, Paul says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Again, as Christ followers, people who've been crucified with Christ, that means there are certain things we won't do. There's certain places that we won't go. Now, men, let me get kind of personal here for a moment. Men, we won't treat women like they are objects. Men will treat women as the special creation God made them to be. We won't manipulate them. We won't try to get them to do things that don't honor God. We will listen to them and their input in our lives, in our world, We will treat women as that incredible, special creation that God made them to be with the love, respect, and dignity they deserve. Do we have any women here this morning? Anybody? I was hoping I'd get like an amen or a (laughs) go God or something. Okay, a little bit of clapping. That's great. 
If you have a woman in your life, I think you need to tell her today how incredibly important she is to you. I think you need to go out of your way to demonstrate that to her. Her value to your wife, a a family member, a, a friend. I think you should let them know, you know what? You are a special creation of God and I'm so thankful for you and I want to treat you that way. Now, ladies, if Christ is fully alive and well in you, if you've been crucified with Christ, you will not use your femininity to manipulate men. There are things you won't wear. I know that gets awkward. I have three daughters. Can't tell you how many times I've had that conversation. No, I'm sorry, but you can't wear that. Why? Everybody else is. Because you've been crucified with Christ. You can't wear that. You can't wear that to church. You can't wear that out. You can't wear that around some people in our, our, our culture. Someone said ever? Yeah, ever. <laughs> as long as you live in my house, ever. Yeah, and there's this tension of like, okay, so what's, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, what's modest, what's not You know, as Christ followers, we don't see how close we can get to the edge and go like, okay, I'm still not over the edge. We step back from that and say, you know, I've been crucified with Christ. I I don't want to do anything or wear anything or cause anybody to stumble in any way. So I I don't want to do that. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, you're covered from head to toe and no one sees your ankles and your knees. That doesn't mean that. It means you understand modesty. It means that you won't demasculate the young men in your life thinking you're trying to make them more sensitive. You won't do that. You understand how God wired men. And you'll celebrate how God has wired the men in your life. Are there any men here? Anybody excited about Okay. Thank you. Thought I was talking to myself. Glad you're here with us today. So if we've been crucified with Christ, our lives should look different. The way that we treat our families, our friends, even people that we would consider, you know, that's probably more of an enemy It should look different. How we handle money, how we handle our free time, everything that we do should look different if Christ is fully alive and well in us. Okay, last subject. And if you haven't been offended yet, there's a chance it could happen right now. But please hear me out on this, okay? Please hear me out. What do you think Jesus thinks about the local church? Like, like, Like process, what do you think? If Jesus were here today, how involved would he be in the local church? Would he come occasionally, check off a box, and hope that God feels good about his intentions? Would he give the best of his time, talents, and resources all, work, all week at work? And then if he has anything left over, give that back to God through a local church later? Now, please hear me out on this, because I, I, I know you could feel like, oh, that's just manipulative. I know that you could feel that way. And I hate that, especially when it comes from a pastor. That it's inappropriate. But I can't get away from this. I, I truly can't. I truly believe that Jesus is the hope of the world, and he's chosen local churches to carry that message to a dying world, a world that desperately needs that. So if you're a Christ follower, guess what? You are God's one and only plan to reach this community for Christ. That's it. God doesn't have a backup plan. We can't look over our shoulder at another generation and say, well, they'll do it. No, we are the generation that's supposed to reach this community for Jesus. 
us gather together with other Bible-believing, gospel-teaching churches in our community. We are supposed to join together to reach our community. Why? Because we are this community's hope for eternity. So how we live matters. And our engagement in God's number one plan to reach the world, it matters. So if we don't reach out into our community and show people that they matter to God, if we don't serve the people who come on Sundays, if we don't go out of our way to let people know that, that they matter to God and they matter to us, they may spend an eternity apart from the God who desperately loves them. So I don't think you can separate the good news of Jesus and a life-changing relationship with him and involvement in the local church from the crucified life. It's not possible. After the Apostle Paul met Jesus, he spent the rest of his life starting and building local churches. Why? Because he knew that was God's number one plan to reach the world. So he spent the rest of his life pouring his life out. And at the end, he says, listen, I've poured my life out. I've fought the good fight. I've run the race. I've done everything I feel like God wants me to do to strengthen local churches who can transform the world with the message of Jesus. So, How involved do you think Jesus would be in the local church? How involved should we be in the local church? So we're going to talk in a few weeks uh, about how we can be more involved together as a local church. So I hope that you'll come back for that. Now, as we close, let me ask some uh, questions of you, things for you to ponder. What in your life needs to be crucified? What in your life needs to be crucified? Is it your pride? Is it your ego? Is it your desires? How you treat other people? Maybe your opinions? Maybe how you deliver your opinions? Are you living the way that you should live at home, at work, and at school? Is there anyone you need to ask forgiveness from? Like, like maybe today, like maybe before you leave. Is there anyone you need to give forgiveness to? Like maybe today, maybe before you leave. Is there anything you need to stop doing? Because Jesus wouldn't do that. Is there anything you need to start doing? Because Jesus would do that. Do you need to reevaluate your involvement in the local church? Because it's God's number one plan to reach the world. As Christ followers, we should all be able to say, as Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. Now, I'll be honest with you. As, as I read that, I can't always say I've been crucified with Christ. A more accurate statement for me is I am being crucified with Christ. Because, again, there's always something in me that needs to die. Every day I wake up and look in the mirror, and there it is, and, and it's my pride. And every day, my pride and I have a, a duel. I draw my sword. He draws his sword. We go to battle. Some days I win. Some days he wins. It's that process of constantly going through a death and saying, like, I just don't want to be the one who lives through me. I want Christ to do that. I want Christ to guide my life. I want, I want people to look at me and go, wow, like, he wouldn't normally do that. So obviously, something else is going on. Like, apparently, Christ is alive and well in him. 
So it's incredibly important how we live, that we allow Christ to live through us and we go through that regular, daily, moment-by-moment process of dying to our old lives and coming to, to new life in Christ. Now, um, on your seat, there's a little parting gift for you. Hopefully, you haven't been sitting on it wondering what's so uncomfortable about our chairs. There's a little nail that I picked up at the store for you. Um, and this nail, I, I want to represent for you uh, Galatians 2.20. My hope is that you'll put this somewhere, maybe at work, at home, at school, in your car, just somewhere where, where you'll see it and it'll jog your memory. And, and Galatians 2.20 will come to your mind and, and you'll allow God to use that verse to guide you in your life where you'll, you'll see this nail or you'll remember that verse, the Holy Spirit will whisper to you and say, hey, you've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives within you. And that will help you make decisions in how you live and how you treat other people around you and how you resolve conflict and how you handle forgiveness, how you handle your opinions, how you care about our world in need of Jesus. So put that somewhere where it can remind you. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to watch a closing video. And this song is a song that God has used in my life, a significant portion of my life, when, when there was a big part of me that needed to die. And I needed to surrender it to God and say, God, you can have it. Like, you can kill that part of me. Like, I want you to live through me. So let's pray together. And then while you're listening to this song, I encourage you to have a conversation with God. Ask him, what in me needs to die? What in me needs to be crucified? And then begin the work of doing that right now and today. Let's pray. Lord, tough subject that we're looking at today. I'm so grateful for verses like this in the Bible that you have used in my life to guide me in how I live. And Lord, I, just so often I have to admit that not enough of me has been crucified. And every day I go through this process, Lord, of saying, Lord, more and more needs to be crucified in me. And Lord, I know that we're all in that spot. We all uh, need to become more like Jesus, die to what we think our rights are, die to what we think our privileges are, what our wants are, and to live for what you want in our lives, knowing that that is the best possible thing that could ever happen when we let Jesus live through us. So Lord, I pray for us as a church family today that you would speak powerfully through this next song. And I pray that Galatians 2.20 will follow us, Lord, Lord, really for the rest of our lives, that we will always look to that to evaluate how we're doing and whether more and more of us needs to be crucified. So speak today, we pray. Lord, give us the boldness to draw our swords and crucify that part of us that needs to die. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Epic Church. My name is Chris. I've got just a couple of announcements for you before we continue with our service. First of all, if you're a guest with us here today and you're kind of wondering what we're all about here at Epic, you may have some questions for us. We have a connection center set up on the other side of these curtains. So on the way out, I invite you to stop on by. We'll have some volunteers stationed there. They'll be able to answer any questions you may have. And even if you don't have any questions, pop on in, shake a hand, say hello. We'd love to be able to meet you personally. 
So if you have not heard, our second mission team has made it safely back from Guatemala. So way to go, mission team number two. I saw a couple of them. I weren't sure if they were zombies or mission team members because they got in at, I don't know what time, this morning. They're the ones walking around with the big gulp coffees and the bloodshot eyes. Um, they haven't slept in two days. But, so we're going to give them a little bit of time to recoup. But next week, we're going to have mission team one who got back a few weeks ago, and Mission Team 2 are going to be right here on stage, and they're going to uh, tell some stories, answer some questions, and you're going to hear about how Epic Church impacted Guatemala this summer. So that's next week, so make sure you come back and hear all about it. Now, we've got a great celebration coming up two weeks from today. That's August the 16th. This is our volunteer kickoff celebration. So if you volunteer in any capacity here at Epic, and in fact, if you're just thinking about volunteering, you're invited as well. What I'd like for you to do is go to our Facebook page and you'll see a link for an evite. If you didn't respond already or didn't get an email because you're just not volunteering but you're thinking about volunteering, go ahead and just respond to that evite. Let us know that you're coming and we are going to provide childcare for grades fifth and below. So if you plan on bringing a child or multiple children, just note that as well on your response. This way we'll know how many volunteers we need to have in the back to make sure that the kids are well taken care of while we're out here having fun and celebrating. We're going to have some games. We're going to do some communion together. It's going to be a really great time. So that's August the 16th. It starts at 6 p.m. right here at the school for our volunteer kickoff celebration. Now, another bit of exciting news is that Cody Anderson, our middle school and high school ministry leader. Cody, would you stand up for me right here in front? <laughs> Cody Anderson loves when I call him out in service. You can have a seat now. Thank you very much. Cody's been working very hard, and he's got some really cool stuff going on. I'm excited. I've got children that fall into this category, but him and his wife, Robin, have taken the, uh, the role of, of our student ministry, and we have separated it now. We have our pipeline student ministry. This is grades six, seven, and eight, and they're going to start meeting in three weeks. That's August 23rd, okay? Grades six, seven, and eight, 11 a.m. during second service. We've got another portion of this building set aside for them. So if you have kids in that age category, please encourage them to intend. The more kids we have, the better it's going to be. It's going to be awesome. Cody and Robin have a great group of volunteers that are going to be over there. Uh, some great curriculum. It's going to be exciting. Now with that, that separates our high school ministry. So now grades 9, 10, 11, and 12, that's our surge. They're going to meet Sundays as well, but they're going to meet at 4 p.m. over at Palm Coast Community Church. So 4 to about 5.30 on Sundays. All right. So we're going to split up pipeline middle school, second service, Surge High School, 4 to 5.30 p.m. Cody and his, group, uh, his crew are going to take care of them. So make sure your kids attend that. Please encourage them. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, uh, if you've been coming to Epic for a while and uh, you call Epic home and you've made that kind of spiritual jump, that spiritual leap of faith to set aside a portion of your finances to give back to what we do here at the church in Flagler County, in Florida and globally, then we thank you for your generosity. If you want to continue to do that, or if you've recently taken that leap of faith, there's two ways that you can give here at Epic. You can visit our website, which is theepicchurch.com, and you can give securely online. Or we've provided some giving boxes at the end of the seating sections. You can utilize those as well. If you're new here, please, no pressure to give. Let this service be our gift to you. Now, before Trent comes out and continues with the service, I'd like to just pray. So if you don't mind, just bowing your head and, and pray along silently with me. God, first of all, I just want to thank you for today. Lord, thank you for providing a place that we can come to and gather and worship you, Lord. Um, you know, it's so often, and you know that our lives tend to be busy, 
and we're rushing around and we're running from appointment to appointment and from activity to activity. But Lord, I just ask you that this morning you allow us to take a breath. You allow us to just slow down a little bit, Lord, and absorb your word. Absorb what Trent is speaking to us about. Um, God, we just need that peace sometimes. So I pray that you would just put a little bit of calmness over us. Let us open our hearts and minds to hear what Trent has to say about Galatians 2.20. It's a real popular verse. Uh, it talked about being crucified with Christ, and he's going to go deeper into that. But Lord, you know, I was reading a little bit more of Galatians 2 today, and uh, the Apostle Paul was talking about uh, some of the spiritual leaders, and he talked about how God doesn't look at them any differently, that he holds no favoritism, that we are all equal. And God, I just want to thank you for that. I want to thank you that as imperfect as I am and as imperfect as people out there uh, are sitting down and, and, and we're all imperfect together. Lord, you look at us all equally and you say, you know what, it's okay. You place your faith and trust in me and ask for forgiveness. I'm there for you. I will provide. And I thank you for that, Lord. So God, I just pray for Trent if he, as he speaks to us. I pray for our volunteers. I pray for everybody sitting down listening to the message today, God, that you would just bless them hand over hand. And I pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.